freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 302 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is guns and gadgets, and our guest is Jared Yanis. Jared is a host of the YouTube channel Guns and Gadgets that has become the premier source of Second Amendment news. In the time of spin and fake news, Guns and Gadgets helps you stay on top of the never-ending attempts to violate our rights to keep and bear arms with unfiltered information. Welcome to the show, Jared. Uh, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you. Thank you very much. Oh, well, I believe the honor is ours because honestly, what Dan just said about you know, how fast the news cycles move and how quickly things are changing on the, the landscape for our Second Amendment rights at, at the federal level, at the state level, all across this nation, to have a place to go like Guns and Gadgets, like your show, to be able to grab the real information, not all spun up with political agenda, <clears throat> is priceless for us to be able to, to digest and then figure out what do we do about that situation that you're you're conveying to us so thank you uh thanks i appreciate that and that's what i hope to do is get out the information as soon as it hits um because as you guys know that uh part of the anti-gun uh offensive uh plan is to just hit us with a bunch of stuff and maybe we can deflect one or two but the rest gets by and i hope to get everybody uh, aware of what's going on so they can take action in their states or at the federal level too well, I'm kind of stuck there. You, you said his stuff is unfiltered. Mm -hmm. How come mine's not? <laughs> you have no filter. That is why I'm here to try to. You know, I, I get, <laughs> get I'm censored all the time. Spinning out and, and getting us in trouble with like the FCC, or I don't even know who we get in trouble with these days. But. That is fresh. You know, the thing is, Jared, every time we turn around, we're just hearing a bunch of stuff that's not true. And it's good and refreshing to see people like you that are stepping up to, to tell people like it is. I appreciate that. Thank you. It means a lot. Thank you so much. Well, and your background is in law enforcement. So how do you find yourself, you know, being kind of this, this go-to site for news about the second amendment? <laughs> well, it kind of took an odd, uh, odd turn. Um, through my whole life, actually, I, I've been a, I grew up in a, in, in a very strong, this is Massachusetts. So I grew up in a, a liberal Democrat household uh, where the older generation, my grandfather, uh, they were hunters. They were you know, very pro-gun and he taught it to his son, but didn't teach it to the, to the girls. And my mom, as we were growing up, was very you know, anti-gun. And uh, I grew up in, a, in the projects in, in the city of Worcester and got to see things that 
made me more aware of the real world, not just the world where I was, you know, grown up, where I was, where I was being taught the, you know, the, the rules and the regulations of, of our household. Um, and just by seeing a bunch of different scenarios, I kind of thought, you know, maybe a gun would be good for self-defense for a lot of people, you know, and then I became uh, a person who was very, I, I just have a, a knack for being able to read old English, old law, and being able to, to digest it and translate it where the average person who might have trouble with all that stuff can, can get it. And uh, I went into to law enforcement. And at that time, I, again, um, excelled at reading law and understanding what the law's intent was, especially new bills. Because uh, if you don't stay up to date, I mean, the job is constantly evolving. And uh, I would always be the guy in, in the department where someone would say, hey, uh, you know, if I, if I have this item, can I have this? Or what does this new bill say about this item? And I just was always good at it. Uh, so flash, uh, we'll rewind to about 2014. I was out of work with a shoulder injury. I had to have my shoulder repaired. And uh, I used to watch, you know, uh, holster review videos at the time. And uh, I always said, you know what, I can do that. I mean, I've, I'm a firearms instructor. I, I can review a holster. So my son and I went down to our basement and he held up an iPhone 4 and uh, hit record. And, and the rest is history. At the time, I started as guns and gadgets. I wanted to do a whole bunch of reviews, but I learned really fast how expensive it is to pro, you know, procure all that stuff and guns and ammo. And, uh, but I did notice that the, the, uh, the videos where I did law always had a higher um, audience, uh, a bigger audience than those about, you know, a holster, because you can see a million holster reviews, but how many people are really telling you about HR8? Um, so I kind of just went with what I thought was my calling and it was kind of, a, you know, a sporadic thing, because I obviously was working full time. And then about a year, well, two years ago now, I, I hurt my back at work uh, on an accident scene. And I've been out of uh, work for a while, had a back surgery, and now I'm going through the medical retirement phase because the injury is just too much to go back to 100%. Mm. So I've put more effort into the channel, you know, trying to do, at the time I was doing a video a week, and I tried to do a couple of videos a week, but then gun control activism being what it is, I'm doing a video every single day, sometimes two or three a day now, and just to try to keep people in the loop because it happens, like you said, so fast. Uh, and thankfully, my viewer, my viewers have uh, have liked it, and the channel has taken off over the last year and a half. And uh, this is this is what I'm doing for the foreseeable future until until this country becomes a gun owner's uh, utopia. Uh, this is what I'm going to be doing. Well, Jared, thank you first for your service as a police officer. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, we still have a lot of faith in police officers around the country, and uh, thank you. The second thing, maybe we could just take one of those myths and blow it out of the water right now about. They're saying that, oh, law enforcement doesn't like the public to have guns. They don't think they should have AR-15s. Let's, uh, you're a police officer. Let's talk about that. Well, every person, every job has people from all sides of the spectrum, both ends of the spectrum. And I, I would venture to say that from the police officer, and I've worked in a couple of different states, some major cities, and uh, it's my opinion that a majority of the police officers out there are pro-gun. Not all of them are. Uh, and unfortunately, the, the higher people get up in the food chain and they get to appointed positions like, you know, deputy chiefs or chiefs, they tend to take on the, uh, the agenda of whoever had appointed them so that they can benefit their career. Uh, for me, this has never been uh, something where I'm going to march to orders because that's my job. 
my I always took my career as uh, it's my job to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States at all at all costs. Um, I've always prided myself for for being a very one of the most constitutional cops ever to lace them up. But there's obviously other other sides of the spectrum out there. There are people on the job who think that they shouldn't have you know, the average person shouldn't have a gun. Um, but a majority of the uh, the police officers I have encountered and trained with are pro-gun. And um, unfortunately, we're, we're coming to a time in this country where the police need to make sure they're on the right side of history because it's it's starting to get ugly out there. Yes. And uh, the, the people who are supposed to support and defend our rights shouldn't be stepping on our rights. Right. Well, that's the, the truth well of it. And, you know, uh, there's a, a law enforcement position that I think a lot of people don't even pay attention to or understand, but it's sheriff. So here in Arizona, our largest county, uh, our sheriff, is, his name is Paul Pinzone, and he is very much not a friend of the Second Amendment at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have, you know, Pinal County nearby, and we have Sh Sheriff Mark Lamb, and he is super famous for being super constitutional. And, you know, it really is weird how in the same state, especially a state like Arizona, where we have such, you know, we've been able to maintain our gun laws, you can have different departments. And because of who's in leadership, you know, that filters down through the ranks to kind of, you know, they build their own culture. So it, it is an interesting thing. And um, I am just appreciative of every officer who is, you know, really out there to, to protect and defend not only people, but also our rights and our laws um, and constitutional mindedness. So thank you for, for being a huge and fine example of that, especially in a state. I mean, what an uphill swim for you in Massachusetts. Oh yeah, the uh, the politicians here hate me, but it is what it is. <laughs> well, that's how you know you're doing you it. You know, right. that's a fine line. I mean, if you're a police officer and you know you have to follow your supervisor's advice, and you know you see that somebody's getting their constitution stepped on, their rights stepped on, you know you got to kind of how do you play that? I mean, that's got to be a tough situation, right? Well, it doesn't have to be. I mean, if, if, if you do what you're supposed to do, it's not hard, not a difficult choice at all. Like I've always trained. Any, I mean, I'm a supervisor. So anybody I've ever trained, first thing I do is I bring them into my office and I always have uh, the constitution, uh, the bill of rights and the declaration of independence hanging on my wall. And I'll point to the second amendment or I'll point to uh, the fourth amendment and I'll ask them to read it wow. and ask them what it means and wow. explain to them if they have some type of deviated understanding of what it actually means, what the founding fathers actually meant when they wrote this stuff. And one thing I'll say, a side note, it's, it's shocking that I've come across a couple young police officers who can't read the documents because they no longer teach cursive. So keep that in the back of your head. If you raise a whole couple generations that can't read the document, then you can tell them whatever you want. Um, wow. But uh, as far as like to, uh, an order that's unconstitutional, I don't, I don't follow it. And I've told the guys that I work with, don't follow it either, the ladies too. Um, and, and I've worked for supervisors where I'll tell them straight up, I will not enforce a red flag law. I won't do it. Um, so if you come down to, to making that order, I'm not following through with it. Because for me, the future for my children, your children, your grandkids means more to me than what I'm bringing home at the end of the week uh, to pay bills right. with. But not everybody thinks that way, unfortunately. Well, beautifully said. And while I'm happy that you're, you're able to retire and spend more time on the guns and gadgets work that you're doing, 
I'm now weeping a little bit that your department is going to be losing uh, somebody who's mentor minded like yourself. And I, I hope that <clears throat> somehow that work can, can continue in your department in your absence. You know, it's a shame that, you know, people like you can't go and train officers about the Constitution. Why can't we have people come into these departments and squads and talk to them and say, hey, you know, this is the Constitution. We're going to get you the, the Constitution for dummies. <laughs> because a lot, of them, a lot of them don't know, the, you know yes, the book. it's the book you know yeah. you know what i'm talking yeah. the book i yeah. mean because there's a lot of people that don't know yeah and yeah. so uh and it's, it's so it's, funny because you know here it is this is the whole thing this is the entire constitution of bill of rights right yeah. here this guy it's not war and peace you know it's like uh it takes an hour hour and a half to read the entire thing right. and yet uh so many people don't and however many elected officials that actually take an oath to protect and defend that it and then they immediately act like well i don't even know what that is you know exactly yeah and maybe they've never read it but well your neighbor is a new Jer new jersey uh governor said that the constitution was above his pay grade oh yeah yeah well new jersey is a whole different country in and of itself when it comes to <laughs> firearms yeah yes. Phil Murphy. He's Danny's favorite. Oh. He brings him up. I swear. I, I will bring him up. And, and I, you know what? I want that in my funeral too. Oh, by the way. <laughs> Did because, you know the guy in New Jersey? Yeah. Anybody that's a politician or in law enforcement should, if they're going to swear to the constitution, you know, to the Bible and uphold the constitution, mm -hmm. then do it. Know what you're going to be upholding. Absolutely. Because how many laws are on the books already that aren't constitutional? Oh yeah. A lot. A lot. Right. So thank you. Yeah. Well, we're talking about your guns and gadgets show and how, I mean, it has just taken off like a rocket, thankfully. Um, yeah. And you've gotten some great sponsors and lots of great support from the public. And I'm wondering, you know, as you think back over some of the stories you've covered, is there one or two that just really stands out to you? Uh, it, when it came across your desk or the public's reaction to it, or, you know, just something that stands out. Uh, yeah. Hands down red flag legislation. Um, it's, I mean, it's the most dangerous bill slash law when it comes to a gun owner uh, and, and our future that there is uh, for a few reasons. When I started first chirping about the, the red flag legis legislation or extreme risk protection order or whatever each state calls it now. Uh, I started chirping about four years ago about this stuff because that's when Bloomberg went all in and he was he was literally financing every bill in every state and paying for uh, the, the politicians to, to get the talking points. And red flag, it's been around for a while that a lot of people don't realize that the first state that went red flag, it was called different, uh, something different back then was uh, Connecticut in 1999 after a lottery shooting. And then a few years later, I think it was an oh, actually I have somewhere in my, 05, uh, Indiana adopted it. Uh, and then 14, 16, and 17, the Pacific Northwest went red flag uh, with California, Washington, and Oregon. And then we didn't really hear anything until the Marjorie Stoneham Douglas shooting in 2018. And it was, it was then a competition for states to see who could get it first. Uh -huh. um, at, at that time, in, that, in 2018, we had seven additional states join the ranks of red flag in, and also the District of Columbia. And then shortly after that, uh, President Donald Trump made the infamous uh, speech of take the guns first, due process second, and that sparked a huge movement by the anti-gun uh, powers that be, 
And immediately we had another seven states join the ranks. We're sitting at 19 states and the District of Columbia that I have red flag legislation and several others are trying. A few of them have been defeated, but they will keep knocking at that door until they get the right mix up of R's and D's in the legislature at the state until they get their way. Uh, it's dangerous. Uh, and, and, and no other facet of, of Americans' individual liberties can you have a right stripped at the whim or, or even a possible gossip rumor by somebody else. And then you don't get to confront your accusers. You don't get to go to the court, judge, or sometimes just uh, not even a judge, sometimes just a, a lower level in the appellate system can say, yeah, I, I think this person might be a risk at himself or others. And then you know the Gestapo goes in and takes your guns. You haven't been charged with a crime. You haven't been found guilty, which is required to, to be stripped of your rights is to be found guilty beyond a reasonable, a reasonable doubt. None of, that none of that happens. In some states, you don't get your rights back. In some states, you have to petition and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on attorney's fees and, and missed work to try to get to prove your name. And that is not what this country was founded on. Yet states are tripping over themselves to get that federal dollar bill to say, hey, we have red flag. Look at us. What, you know, what kind of uh, money you're going to give us for it? And it became even more the forefront uh, last week when uh, Bobo, I call him Bobo, Bobo Biden, uh, got up and said that, you know, within 60 days, the DOJ will have uh, model legislation for the remainder states to uh, to adopt a red flag legislation. And, it, and I, I often I fear the, the fact that that goes to the back of people's minds because they hit us with the assault weapon ban, a magazine ban, uh, the AR, uh, uh, you know, the, the hatred of the AR uh, and, and anything else that they come with universal background checks and registration that takes the forefront. But their most coveted uh, way to violate our rights is that red flag. Uh, and, and it's being adopted at a rate that is, is disturbing. It is, uh, and more people should be jumping up and taking the, you know, rattling the sabers and defending their rights in their states. And unfortunately, a lot of them are doing it after the fact. We can still stop them. If we, if people know what they're, uh, what they need to do and how how to do it, and that's one of the angles of my channel is to get people the information, not just get the information, but I always link them to either the bill I'm talking about, or how, how to find out who their legislators are and how to get a hold of them. Um, so it's an education process, but I think the country is starting to wake up. The gun owners in the country are starting to wake up. It's it's no longer a point in history where we can get off by being the uh, the silent majority. We have to start uh, forcing our politicians and our representatives to listen. Right. And so they're they're giving us all these other bills that they want to pass with the AR-15, and they're going to slip this one through. That's very oh, that's, scary. That's the intent. For people that you know aren't sure what a red flag law is, it's basically if somebody says you're doing something wrong or you're in danger, they don't they don't go to the source to find out if if they're right or wrong. They just go and take the guns away and then right. sort it out later. And we have a thing called due process. Right, and besides all that, so they take the guns away and the person who supposedly is the danger to self or other, leave them right there, right? They don't, they don't take the knives or the cars or the, the uh, uh, what, pressure cookers, right? The right. other things right. that people use to, to harm themselves or others. They take the guns and then it's like, oh, and so this person that's so dangerous <clears throat> is suddenly magically you know, totally fine. And that he right. couldn't get another gun. So, right. The right. whole thing is so disingenuous and so insidious because it's one of those things that, that it, it slips so smoothly off of the tongues of the politicians. 
and and it gets people doing that that little mindless head bob right, right. It happened to president trump it's exactly what happened to him he just started doing that mindless head bob and then he said that r- ridiculous almost unforgivable <laughs> statement because it's uh you know prove you're you're guilty until you're proven innocent right. and it's very clearly when you really stop and think about it all it is is a gun confiscation scheme it has nothing to do with public safety and if it did then the person who's a danger to self or others is what should be quarantined and we've heard that word way too many times this <laughs> week. you know not just this one particular class of tools i mean I, I'm, well we I'm used sure to do that Agreed. We used to take the person that was in danger mm-hmm. himself and put him in some kind of facility. every state has a provision for that. Also. Yeah, I, I I'm glad you said that because every single state in the union has those laws already on the books. They can take somebody in for a mental health hold. They have some states are 72 hours, some are longer, some are shorter, but they deal with a licensed professional and they can work out if they have problems, they can try to work out their problems. I mean, it's not a perfect world. But that already exists. The only difference between those type of medical uh, holds against somebody's will and the red flag is that they take the guns and that's all they care about. And the sad part is in 24 years on the job, I have unfortunately come to witness that if somebody is actually hellbent on doing something, whether it's suicide, murder, robbery, whatever it is, They're going to do it at all costs. You take away their fork, they're still going to use a spoon. It doesn't matter, uh, but that's how these gun control activists work. They pull on the heartstrings and they get people's emotion worked up where they start to react emotionally instead of thinking critically and they get all their stuff, well, most of their stuff passed that way. So what you're saying is that taking the tools away from the angry person isn't going to solve the problem at all. It's, It's not. No, it's not. They are even angry, but it's probably like a a, a marital spat, or it's right. a, a neighbor that you know you're yeah. having an issue with, or or maybe you've got some law enforcement that that sees themselves as you know, well this person this you know shouldn't have this tool, and so you know there's all kinds of reasons that people overstep each other's rights boundaries, and to give them any more legal tools is is horrible, and the fact that. Um, Biden, the Biden-Harris initial actions, which tells you right there, this is just the start. They're going to, as you indicated, Jared, basically bribe the states with some federal money. If you'll adopt this very reasonable, you know, common sensey red flag law thing, here's some money for you. And that's how they've done it throughout history. And look at how many states didn't have uh, a 21 uh, age at uh, age of 21 for drinking or, or or buying cigarettes and stuff like that. That's how the federal government, or even the most recently, the uh, the OUI laws or DWI laws, or even the seatbelt laws. Mm-hmm. The, the federal government withholds money until states give in. And even, yeah, even uh, <clears throat> speed limit laws. I'm old right. enough to remember that you know driving 55. And I is it Ted Nugent who can't drive 55? Is that the no Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar can't drive 55. Um, I'm old enough to remember when that was a big thing and that it was all about government money. And at the time I was quite a bit younger and I was like, what, how does that have anything to do with each other? But, uh, you know, it really doesn't. But when the federal government wants what its way, it's either going to use the carrot or the stick. And well, right now well, they're using it. The, the problem carrot. is, you know, to the other side, the other side of the fence, that law sounds good. Which one? The red flag law. 
Right. I it sounds insidious. It, it sounds like, like this oh. is awesome, right? Mm -hmm. But it, it's just like all the stuff that they throw out, mm -hmm. 20 round magazines, all this stuff. It, it sounds justifiable and awesome. And it's people like Jared that's got to get out there and say, wait a minute, you know, Here's you don't really under really is. understand yeah. what this is going to do. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's just another attack on our rights. And have we ever had a president in our life that said that the Constitution can be adjusted or <laughs> the Second removed? Amendment's not you absolute? Know? Right. And it's just like, how did how did this person? How could you swear to the uh, to the Constitution to uphold the Constitution and turn around and say that statement? Yeah, you know, it's funny because a year ago, January sixth, they did everything they could to impeach a president and to to neuter his way to speak. That should have happened when Joe Biden said that stuff, because no president right. has ever said that the Constitution is not absolute. That should have started the process right then and there. But, you know, that's that's their guy. That's their champion. He's going to get right. what he's going to start that. YouTube. So the 19th Amendment that gave women, people like me, the the right to step into a voting booth and actually have some say in, in how and who is governing me. So right. that's not absolute either. So maybe the next time I go to vote, it's going to be like, oh, no, we didn't mean, you know, women with right. long, dark hair or, you know, women that live in Arizona. Maybe, maybe. No, no, no. You know, I mean, come on. You could expound that out in so many different ways. But people like like you said, it's their guy. So they just right. they just give it a pass. So well, it's tax season, too. Right. 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 So at the top of the Constitution, <laughs> does it say when convenient Constitution? Yeah. It's when they oh. want it, when they want to use it. OK, but when they don't. Oh, yeah, we don't need that. This is it's okay. It's time to get angry. No, it's time for some hopeful. There's hopeful my filter. News, There's right? my filter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he used to have a segment called he he kind of wanted a rant, and uh, I'm like, we're not a ranting show, so we'll call it <laughs> Dan's commentary. Mm. See what I did there? Did I do mm -hmm. clever? Uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> so, anyway, so uh, all this push that we're talking about, all this craziness, all this. You know, it's like this rapid fire of of anti rights uh, rhetoric and nonsense and bills. Um, is there any hope? Is there any good news on the horizon that we have to counteract some of these bills, Jared? What do you What do you yeah. think out there? Yeah, this this three things that I I try to get to people people to realize that is still a positive. And especially with the 8 million plus new gun owners we have that weren't always seeing things the way typical gun owners do, you know, they're coming from a different team and, and we shouldn't just ostracize them, but educate them. Um, one of the big things is the, the constitutional carry movement. Uh, we now sit at 20 states that have enacted a permitless carry or constitutional carry bill. And what that does is it no longer requires the people of that state to beg and plead for a permission slip from the government at a cost to exercise their rights. And we now have 40% of the country that has adopted that. That's huge. Uh, and we have other states fighting for it right now. I mean, Texas is the closest has ever been in the history of the state. Um, What's up with that? Texas, Texas should have been leading. Texas should be the first one. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they've, they've always killed the bill, but uh, it's it's close. And, and then maybe you'll hear this a lot too. It's not, it's not true or pure constitutional carry. You know, sometimes you got to get the bill there and then work on amendments after the fact it, it's politics guys and gals i mean i'd love for it to say shall not be infringed so i personally believe that's the way it should be yes but that's not where we're at right now yeah. um another good thing is the second amendment preservation acts that a lot of states are talking about it's in the uh, the uh, state legislature 
We just had last week the governor of Nebraska uh, sign a declaration saying that Nebraska is a Second Amendment sanctuary state. And those are huge. Those are declarations by the state legislature saying that we will not enforce any new unconstitutional gun control. And, and some of them actually make it a criminal act for local state police or elected officials to act on Biden gun control. Uh, so that's huge. Uh, and then the third one is the continuation of the sanctuary movement. Uh, if you remember the last couple of years, that Second Amendment sanctuary movement county by county had has exploded across the country. We have uh, 3,144 counties or county equivalents in the country. And currently, as of March 1st, uh, 1,188 of those counties are Second Amendment sanctuaries. That's 37.79% of the country. So we have over a third of the country saying, you know, this is a Second Amendment sanctuary. We have 40% of the state saying uh, that it will be constitutional carry. Uh, those are things to build on. That's that's big stuff. Uh, if you think 10 years ago, how many how many uh, constitutional carry states were there? Not many. Uh, for a while, Vermont was the only one. Uh, so these are these are things where it, it's a good sign because states are standing up saying, "Nope, we're done. We're not having any more of this deviation from the Constitution." And uh, it's it's rewarding to see it happen. It's it gives me a glimmer of hope that uh, not all is lost yet. Well, it is refreshing, but I, I am worried about the um, sanctuary one that you can't stop the feds from coming into the state. They just can't get assistance, right? but they can still come in. So I think that's going to yeah. cause some confusion out there that people think they can build a machine gun. Right, right. Because and, we're free from federal law, but there's not, and we have a constitution that prohibits that too in Arizona on the state level. But it's still going to make some people um, a little weird, I think. Right. And, and, I, and I try to think, think of it this way for people listening. Um, a sanctuary bill or law is only as strong as the people who are currently in power to stand up and not do that. Uh, I live in a state that's a sanctuary state uh, in Massachusetts, not Second Amendment sanctuary, the other side of the coin. Yeah, uh, we're you know, an, an immigration sanctuary state. Um, and we have changed our laws related to marijuana. So those are two instances where people can think of, all right, if, if I live in a state that doesn't allow ICE to get assistance from local or state police, but ICE can still come in, but they don't often because they're only so big. There's only so many people that work there that can only do so much nationwide. Same scenario with the Second Amendment sanctuaries. Same with marijuana. Marijuana is still federally illegal. There are a lot of states that are saying, nope, it's not going to be federally enforced here. Same scenario. If the ATF... Uh, wanted to do a raid in a state that's a Second Amendment sanctuary, they still could. Uh, but historically, how it's gone is the ATF or FBI, they'll call the state or local, and then they'll get the manpower that way, mm -hmm. because there's much more state and local police right. than there are ATF agents. Um, so these states are drawing the line there. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, going back to the sheriff, who is an elected mm -hmm. official, uh, a lot of people don't even understand that the sheriff is an elected office right. uh, of Maricopa County, Paul Pinzone. Uh, you know, he would love to help the feds with, you know, enforcing all of these bad gun laws, because that's mm -hmm. how he's built. That's his mindset. Right. So I think it's, it's going to be harder for him to um, hold the line on this new HB 2111 that our governor just signed in, which makes us a sanctuary state, uh, than, let's say, as I said, Mark Lamb, who's sheriff of Pinal County, but, and he, uh, and Pinzone got on our biggest, um, very left-leaning radio station the day after the, the bill was signed or the Monday after the bill was signed. And, you know, he was trying to play this card that, you know, this is going to be very confusing for 
our, our uh, sheriff's officers who are out there. And I'm thinking, look, I am held to know and follow the laws as just a citizen. I'm pretty sure you guys can figure it out since right. that is your profession, <clears throat> right? Absolutely. And there's nothing that angers me more than when you see these localities or states who are, uh, you know, legislating or, or politicking on this type of legislation. And you get all the, like the police unions to come out and say, you know, this is terrible. We're outgunned or this puts us in a bad predicament. No, it actually doesn't. Uh, your job is to protect and serve, not to, uh, to, to jackpot and enforce. Um, so if you guys and gals, wherever you are in the nation, uh, well, Massachusetts, we don't have sheriffs. We got rid of that because that was just too cumbersome. Uh, so there's no county government here anymore. But if you guys and gals see sheriffs acting that way, then you know who to vote out. You need, you need to get some good candidates. We, in there. Uh, can't just... Right. Exactly. We know that. But you know what the scary thing about the sheriffs that I learned is they are the chief uh, law enforcement agency of the state. Or the county, their county. county. Yep. So yeah. they, they, the chief of the chief of police in Avondale can't tell the sheriff's department what to do yeah. in his, right. in his city. city. Yeah. Right. Because the chief, and so that's what's scary. I mean, uh, Sheriff Lamb, oh, it's, it's great. Yeah. But Penzone, it's not so great. It's not so great. Yeah. And he's not my, my favorite person. And, uh, <laughs> And it's not anything personal. It's just, I think he sees his yes, it job is personal. incorrectly. It is personal because it's his, he's taking away our rights. He's well, fighting he our right. Like it's to. personal. Like we to. have to take that personal. Yeah. Because okay, it's our right. Enough. You're taking something away from us that we have a right to. Fair enough. Okay. I just Thank mean, you. I don't think he's I didn't get answered for that. the proper way. <laughs> and, uh, and so therefore I will be doing everything I can to be sure that I help the person campaign, you know, to replace him at the, at our earliest opportunity. Right. So, um, you know, no harm, no foul, nothing fiery about that. I just think that somebody else could do his job better and I'm going to help that person. So, um, anyway, moving on, uh, tell us about some of your most recent stories and most recent videos that you've put up and you're always video based, right? You're not, you're not a blogger. You're not a writer. Um, yeah. It's not, it's not enough time. There's so much going on. <laughs> oh, right. Seriously. But yeah, I'm, I'm mostly majority video based. Um, some of the, and there's always, as somebody who puts out work, you always have a piece that you say, man, everybody should know this. Like, this is going to be a winner. Everybody needs to know this. I'll give you two instances of that that have come out in the last week or so. Uh, last night, I put up a video where California Congresswoman Maxine Waters was in uh, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, inciting a riot on video. I got it on, the, on, on my uh, video, have her on tape where she was, and, and she's talking about the Derek Chauvin trial and the George Floyd, George Floyd trial, saying that if he doesn't get guilty for murder, they won't accept manslaughter. If he's not guilty for murder, actually, um, she said that uh, protesters should stay on the street. They should get more active. They should get more confrontational and make sure that they know we mean business. Now, this is coming from a lady that no matter what happens after the trial uh, comes down, She's going to be in California with her armed guards laughing at people, burning down the cities, getting, you know, get into fights or worse. They're, I mean, people need to know this stuff. These are. So we're going elect- to be impeaching her, I'm guessing. I, I hope so. I, I sure hope so. Because she, five years ago, they had arrested her for saying that. <laughs> Just yeah. Saying. And I even put up the Minnesota statute and proved that she violated the inciting a riot third degree. Uh, so she should be charged as far as I'm concerned. And uh, the other video that people absolutely need to watch if they're a gun owner, uh, 
-hmm. is the video I did about the Biden nominee for the director of the ATF, David Chipman. It is the worst possible person who could ever be appointed to that position, well, nominated to that position. People need to start calling their senators to make sure that he doesn't get uh, uh, the consent of the Senate because that cat is about as bad as it can get when it comes to being an anti-gun person in a position that's supposed to, you know, support the constitution. Um, We all know about the ATF's issues the last couple of years anyway, but to have somebody who has been on the payroll of the Giffords group and his whole career saying that AR should be banned and AR AR pistols should be in the NFA and 80% arms should be wiped out. Now to have this guy able to make those decisions, uh, that's dangerous. More people need to see that those two videos. So the people that vote him in that confirm him in, if they do, those are the people that we need to make sure we don't vote for we need to get them voted out of office. And that's the only fight back power we have. If they vote him in, vote them out. Well, right. and that'll be a whole lot easier to do if we don't get HR1 coming through. And that right. is not a Second Amendment uh, specific bill. That is the one that basically whatever political party currently holds offices and therefore power, uh, it would federalize the voting uh, process and therefore whoever's in power when that hr1 goes through it's carte blanche for them forever. yeah i call that the communism bill because uh, it basically ensures america would be communist and dictators will prevail absolutely and we have to know that our votes mean something and they count uh otherwise what we are just servants we are just cattle to be fleeced at tax time constantly and um, so that that is so important that you brought up both of those things, the voting people out if they would confirm this Chipman, the fact that Chipman is even a consideration. But for me, whether he gets in or not, I feel like the message is already written on the wall that they will, the, the Biden-Harris administration, will pick someone like Chipman, who's maybe just a little quieter. Maybe we just don't know quite so much about them because uh, then they can get passed through. But the whole idea of you know taking something like uh, the standpoint of the Giffords organization, the Every Town for Gun Safety, the Moms Demand Action, all of this anti-right stuff and giving it the power of the federal government in an unelected regulatory body for right. the things that they do act as law but we're never subjected to the rigors of becoming law. It's horrifying. It's very dangerous. And I think it tells you everything you need to know about the direction that things are moving at the federal level. And then again, we do have the good news at the state level. Lots of states are saying, ah, states' rights, back off feds. Right. Um, but it's, it's really frightening. And then when I look here in Arizona, so Giffords, the organization that David Chipman has been a paid employee for, uh, not just employee, but like an advisor, I believe. Right, is the title. senior policy advisor. Senior policy advisor for Giffords. It's the anti-rights group. Well, Giffords comes from the name Gabby Giffords. Well, right. who is Gabby Giffords' husband? Mark Kelly. Who is our newest senator here in Arizona? Mark Kelly. So how is it not a conflict of interest that this guy is going to get to help confirm this David Chipman guy? It's, it's madness to me. It's so incestuous that it, it 
should really make all of us stand up straight and really start paying attention if we haven't already. This is like a movie that we wouldn't even go see. I know. The whole thing, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't even go see it. For people watching or listening, uh, if you don't know who Chipman is, like watch that video I did, but research Ruby Ridge and research Waco, Texas, because he was there. He played a part in both of those scenes. And there's a famous picture out there of him standing with, you know, his victory pose in front of a, a burning rubble with uh, smoldering bodies of women and children behind him. And that's who they want to take lead of the ATF. Yeah, let's talk about that real quick. I mean, they could have done that so differently. They didn't have to go see, go in there and charge that place. They could have took them out one at a time as they come out, arrested them, on because the, they they went out in public. Yeah. There's so much more they could, have, and the Ruby Ridge the same thing. It was I think over a sawed-off shotgun that somebody forced a guy to buy at a gun show or something. Yeah, and, and people got killed for this. It's right. it's stupid, and I don't know enough to know all the details. But neither one of these should have ended the way they did. It's overzealous law enforcement is what it is. Absolutely. I mean, even in Waco, uh, David Koresh, who they had, they were there for a warrant for him. And he used to jog the complex every day out in the yeah. public. They could have, they could have grabbed him easily, easily. That's, that's not news. Right. Yeah. It's, it's more news. That's, how's that can. get it? How do you get that mark on your, on your uniform or whatever that you did this? If you don't, if, if you don't make a big deal out of it. Right. Not to mention the FBI used tanks against civilians. Right. Good time. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. I mean, it, it's and, absolutely horrible. And, and Chipman obviously, you know, is on record for lying also right. about the two helicopters that supposedly were shot down by a 50 caliber firearm. Right. And it's like, you know, he, he will lie. He will do whatever he wants to do or needs to do in order to use the full weight and power of the government against an individual citizen and all the way unto death of those citizens. I mean, it's unconscionable that this person right. would have even, his name would have even been floated, much less mentioned from that podium that day by, uh, who would you call him? Bobo? Biden. Yeah, Bobo <laughs> Biden. <laughs> you know, and I want to remind everybody back in the 70s or 79, 80 in that era, the ATF agents were kind of rewarded to get rid of FFLs. There, there was a time they were just trying to get rid of FFLs. And so if this guy get gets elected or get nominated, then um, the ATF can just go one at a time to gun shops and scare them out of their business. Or just audit them and audit them and re-audit right. them. And it's just, it's, it sucks a lot of time and energy out of, we're, we're FFL holders, obviously, we own AZ firearms. And, you know, we have always been pretty fortunate that the um, individual uh, agents who have come to do our audits, for the most part, they've been really fine people. It's mm -hmm. been, you know, a fine uh, process. And we understand that's part of, you know, when we get a, a federal firearms license that we have to open our books um, whenever they walk in the door, but, you know, once or twice a year. We've had a couple of agents that they we had to help educate them on what was, you know, legal and not legal. Right. But you're going to get that. It's okay. Um, but then when you look at the kind of culture that we're going to be dealing with, again, the person at the top, that culture starts seeping down. And I think David Chipman is somebody who sees himself as a hammer, who's just going to oh, keep yeah. looking for nails. Right. And so when you empower all these field agents, that that's your job now, you're a hammer and you just need to go find those nails. Uh, whew, uh, it's terrifying for me. 
which is why it's even more important for local law enforcement to remember their oath and to uh, do what they're supposed to do. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry. Right. No. So, so Jared, like the show that you did yesterday, how, how do people find that? Uh, the easiest way to find me is on YouTube. Just type in guns and gadgets. You can spell out and you can use the ampersand. Doesn't matter. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I think I'm number two. Once you hit type in guns and it's guns and roses and then me, I mean, my, <laughs> I got to knock them off somehow. Uh, <laughs> mostly I'm on YouTube, but I also post uh, on Facebook and Instagram. I Twitter, I dabble in Twitter a little bit, but uh, I stopped really using that for anything after obvious things. Um, but uh, that's the majority of, of the places I am. And that's because that's where majority of the eyeballs in the country are. Um, and I, I hope that people take a second to try to you know, watch some of the stuff and hopefully consider subscribing because I try to keep people up to date with uh, videos daily. I try to, I force myself to take one day off a week, uh, but sometimes it's not easy. <laughs> right. And you know, people, you know, people that think, are we making a difference? Our radio shows, our shows getting more hits every day. Your show's getting more hits every day. And every time we get a hit, we get a victory. I mean, it's just another point. And um, we're going to over, we're going to take care of this. It's We're going to fix this, right? One definitely, person at definitely. a time. Yeah, definitely. There's a correction coming. It's going to be fixed. Yes, I agree with you so much. And I thank you so much for all the work that you do, because besides all of that, you've got this little thing, you know, called a family. And so... <laughs> Do they get to spend time with you when they watch your videos or? <laughs> uh, I, I try as much as possible. My, I'm lucky. My wife is an angel. Uh, four, we have four kids and they're all autistic. So uh, there's struggles with that as well. Um, so she gives me the time I need to come downstairs and research and, and record and, and edit and upload. And then it's right back up to being dad. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I can't I can't do this without her. And I always say I don't do it without the viewers. So it's kind of 50 50 without my wife there's no channel. And without the viewers, there's no point in doing it. Right. Absolutely. I love that. We are, uh, we're a family owned business. And so uh, it's a team sport. Life is a team sport. Right. Uh, with your small circle of influence. Uh, and then of course you are doing such an amazing job of expanding that, that sphere of influence all across the nation. I mean, we have viewers and listeners all over the world, wherever there's internet. So if we do, I guarantee you do. And uh, there are people that are hungry for what you're, you're offering. Uh, I, I hope that uh, I hope more people get involved because we're going to need them. Yes. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, Jared Yanis. Uh, we, we so appreciate you and thank you for your service and thank your family for letting us borrow you for a little while. And uh, we will talk to you again really soon. Thank you. The honor's mine. Thank you so much. Thanks, thank Jared. You. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. great I, I conversation even, i don't even know where to start i know so so he made, good he can get he put me at peace and then i can get extremely angry <laughs> at the same time because the world is like i said it's a movie you wouldn't go watch yeah it is and you know there's a righteous anger to this whole idea that our our rights our personal individual rights are being treated like they are worthless like they are nothing right. and when you understand our history, that there were men and women, our founding fathers and mothers who fought, bled, starved, and died to even have an opportunity to put quill to parchment to write this document that is our inheritance. And we are treating this inheritance like the prodigal son, which is a, another biblical story, but it's, um, 
you know, like it's, it's just ours to do what we want to with and carefree and frivolous. And it doesn't matter because it's ours. It was given to us. No, we are to be good stewards to then therefore pass it along to the next generation intact, this inheritance. So, so on that note, what on note? that happy, bright, cheery note, what we note? need to, huh? What note? Did, is there notes I didn't see? Yeah. Is there something else you want to tell me? Hey, I want to hey, tell hey, you whoa, whoa. That, what? We need to pray. We do. We absolutely do. Um, and I want to thank our amazing guest, uh, Jared Yanis yes. of Guns and Gadgets, our awesome listeners all across the world. And, um, you know, it, we what we do here would be amazing and interesting for me and Dan to get to have these conversations. But the fact that all, so many of you spend your most precious commodity, your time, uh, tuning in, bringing <clears throat> these conversations into your spheres of influence, that's everything. And that's how we're going to change things and make things constitutional again, make our constitutional mean something and matter again. It is all about conversations and education and valuing the work that other people have put in on your behalf. And so um, anyway, on that note, we are going to pray for our nation. And pray for our leaders, all of them. Even the ones, Even the ones that go to other states and instigate riots? Mm -hmm. Even the? her. Maybe what most the? especially her uh, needs our prayers and, and the state where she's trying to rile up. Why would, you know what? Needs our prayers. When she was in that state, why didn't they arrest her for that? Why didn't they just walk up to her and say, Maxine, can I have your autograph? Oh, I mean, arrest you <laughs> and just arrest her. She yeah. broke the law. Well, are they not? Are, are, don't they have to follow the law too? Uh, I don't have the answers for that. But you know what's weird too? It's like, okay, so in England, they have a king and a queen. Mm -hmm. In the United States, we've got like thousands and hundreds of them, mm -hmm. right? Are they all our rulers too? People who are behaving that yes. way. Anyway, and it's up to I'm, us to, to set that right and, and be active in bringing up you know, younger people to run for office, running for office ourselves maybe, um, and making sure we are securing our vote so that we do have election integrity and that we do feel like when we placed a vote that it matters and it counts. And um, yeah, that's about the best we can do for right now, but we've got to get out of here. So until next week, have a great week. Be good to each other and God bless. Bye-bye.